Thank you, Jennifer. Well, uh, once again, I want to say welcome. Glad you're here today in worship with us. Uh, a couple of highlights I want to share with you. Grateful to those of you who were able to share last week, Allison and George and Julia, um, kind of facilitated by Matt Randalls. If you, if you weren't here last week, like me, it's camping. We do that every Labor Day weekend. Um, you're going to want to find that on YouTube, just some amazing God stories on how God has been present and active and working um, real time in people's life that you know. So I I highly recommend that to you. Today we start a new series about rest. And before I begin that new series, I want to show you a picture. Um, All week long, these slabs of meat have been resting in Jeff Nichols' um, smoker. So uh, Jeff is like the, I mean, he's the chef here when it comes to to smoking meats. And so we're going to have some pulled pork, some very delicious food following the service, and we would love to have you join us. If you forgot to bring a side or you left it at home, don't worry about it. We've got plenty of food. Stick around. We'd love to have you join us. Well, as I mentioned today, we started a new series on rest. How do you feel? How do you feel about that? Are you ready for this? I mean, some of you might be excited. You're thinking, next week, I'm just going to bring a pillow to service. I'm going to lay down here in a nice comfy, cushy chairs here at Gascade Covenant and catch up on some sleep. But I want to ask, how much do you get rest? As in, like, the quantity of it. Do you feel like you have enough? And do you really understand what it is? If I told you that resting was at the heart of God's created order, would you, would you believe me? Would you believe me? Resting is at the heart of God's creation, really. And uh, you might be thinking, well, that's really nice, Dan, but I also would be willing to bet that many of us don't get enough rest because either we don't believe that we need it uh, or we have FOMO or it's because it's just really hard to slow down or possibly we've misunderstood slash distorted something along the way. If you're like me, you go, 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 go until you crash. And then resting becomes recovery phase before you go, go, go again, and on and on it goes, right? Um, A couple of years ago, we picked up some new kittens at our house. And one of the kittens, Coco, was the classic, like, she was like a toddler, okay? And so she would play, play, play all the time. And literally, we would watch her nodding off, like, as she's trying to play, you know, just to to keep on going. I mean, toddlers do that too. As adults, I feel like that maybe that doesn't go away. Maybe just a step, a step before that. But we're, we're a country full of strivers and overachievers. We're hustling to get ahead. And the only reason I can think of for this behavior is it's like my grandma used to say, the early bird gets the worm. And we're all worried that we won't get the worm, right? That we won't be fast enough, that someone will beat us to it. Maybe we bought into that whole concept on a deeper level more than God, uh, his actual design for us, the way that life works best, and that's with regular rest. So I grew up on a farm. There are no set work days on the farm. You work until the work is done. And up until I was probably 10, I don't know, 11 years old, we also, on our farm, so we had grain, and we also had a lot, when I was younger, we had a lot of livestock, pigs, cattle, um, which means there's no weekend, right? Because 
they're still hungry on Saturday and Sunday. I remember watching my dad, like, you know, suit up to head out into sub-zero early Sunday morning weather to feed all the animals before he'd go to church. And that was just the rhythm. Like, it's hard to take a vacation. You'd have to, thankfully, we had my uncle. He could say, hey, uncle, like, we want to go on a vacation. And they would trade off that way. Really, really, really difficult to get a break. It's just what you did. I've lived in a few different regions of the U.S., uh, especially when I was younger. And I confess that I never, you know, in those places, I never looked around and thought generally of people out there like, man, these folks are really a bunch of slackers, right? These, wherever it might be, like, these people are just kind of lazy. I mean, maybe I could say that about a few hippie types in Bellingham. Um, but generally speaking, right, you know what I mean? It's like people work hard. They work hard. It's kind of built into our culture. And for the most part, I've always been surrounded by highly motivated, hardworking people who have trouble using all their vacation in a given year. Amen? Amen. The way God designed our life to work best was with a rhythm of work and rest. And instead of resting from our work, I think the biblical pattern might be the other way around, that we work from our rest. Now, working was always part of the plan. According to Genesis, Adam and Eve had jobs to do. They had to care for the garden. They had to steward the earth. And all of that went south when they chose to go their own way apart from God. But our work wasn't described as toil until after the fall. Look, at, look it up, read about it, Genesis 3. Uh, when sin entered the world, that's when the ground was cursed. And, you know, Adam was said, you're, you're going to toil to produce food. You have to work hard for this. And if you think about that, work was part of the original created order. Does that kind of bum you out? I mean, maybe. People, all throughout my life as a pastor, you ask people to describe heaven, and inevitably they think of like somebody sitting on a cloud playing a harp, right? Which is like a Bugs Bunny cartoon from a long, long time ago. But there's this idea that heaven is just going to be like endless vacation, endless relaxation and rest. I don't think that's how it's going to be. It's going to be more like it was in the beginning, where God has meaningful work for all of us to do minus the skulldrudgery that we experience at work now. So if that was part of the plan, so was rest. It wasn't a 24-7, 365 work detail for Adam and Eve. Now, Adam and Eve were created on day six. And then what happened on day seven? They got a day off. You ever thought about that? God was the one who worked all week. He was the one who needed a day off. Adam and Eve, or people got created at the 11th hour in the whole creation sequence, and the first thing, they get the Sabbath. Isn't that nuts? Think about that. Work was always part of the original plan, but so was rest. People rested more than just once a week. They rested each day, too. If we read between the lines and the narratives of Genesis, uh, the first couple chapters there, especially Genesis 3, um, they rested each day with God. And we can infer this. 
In chapter 3, verse 8, we'll put this on the screen for you. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They were hiding because at this point they had already sinned and rebelled against God. But it's like, hey, they did this in the morning and then in the evening, that's what cool of the day means. The Lord shows up to go for a walk with the people that he's created. The routine of retreating and resting with God after a day's labor is right in front of us in Genesis. It was built into us. It's how God created us to live, and we need it. We long for rest, maybe as much as people long for God. Do you think perhaps those two things are connected? Resting and entering God's presence? You know, so much has changed since the days in the garden. Now we have to work and toil to make a living, to provide for ourselves and our loved one. Work has changed a lot since the beginning. But what about rest? I'd be tempted to say that rest has fundamentally changed too. But maybe not. I know that where we find rest has actually never changed. Because we find rest at its source. We find rest in the heart of God. And so over the next six Sundays, we're going to take a deep dive into this whole topic of rest. It's God's gift to us. Intentional rest is more than self-care. It's more than a vacation. It's God's gift that we're invited to enter. And it's my opinion, both in my own life and in those that I see around me, that we just don't get it. Either we don't get enough or we misunderstand how to find it, or we settle for poor substitutes, we just ignore it altogether. And the name of the series is I Will Give You Rest. That comes from Exodus 33, verse 14, where God tells Moses, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And so this whole series was inspired uh, first by a sabbatical that I took like 10 years ago, and coming out of that, experience. Um, my eyes were opened in a way that never were before, but also inspired by a Bible study published by She Reads Truth. Some, uh, we use this a lot, different groups in our church. And they, they have a, a whole study dedicated to this uh, called I Will Give You Rest. It's an invitation to Sabbath is the official name. And I really recommend it to you. Um, I was reading through that at the beginning, and I love the goals that they point out. And even though we, we kind of riff off of their topics and ideas, if you got the study on your own, you would benefit tremendously from it. And so they talk about practically pursuing what we've already been given to enjoy. True rest is given from God and found in God. And in the opening like paragraph that the editor writes, her name is Jessica Lamb, she just nails it. She says this, Quite frankly, put this on the screen for you, I feel like a fraud. This is, this is the editor putting out this Bible study, and I was like, raise my hand, I'm right there with you, sister. Quite frankly, I feel like a fraud writing this letter. No matter what your baseline understanding of rest may be, I can assure you, I do not come to it naturally. I struggle to build margin into my life, packing my schedule to the point that I'm always at least two minutes late. I, give up tracking, I gave up tracking my sleep habits because the reminder of post-midnight puttering was too disconcerting. Even my hobbies and trips 
tend to become tasks to accomplish rather than things to enjoy. Amen. So when our team suggested we explore the topic of biblical rest, I wasn't thrilled. I knew that God would use his word to expose parts of myself I would rather pretend are healthy and sustainable. And so she goes on to share how this whole process ignited soul-searching in her, a longing for the rest promised from God, a longing to hear the words of Jesus in Matthew 11 when he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Does that sound like something for you too? Sure does for me. So what is rest? This is where this survey comes in. You know, for the vast majority of us, rest equals sleep, right? I mean, a, a quick Google survey this week, um, I, I couldn't, I was trying to like get at like how much downtime, how much like time off do you mean? I kept typing in rest and Google would automatically assume that meant sleep. It would just give me tons of answers about, well, how, how many hours of sleep do people need each night? And so that, that was when I said, well, you know, rest isn't just sleep, is it? But it also maybe isn't just not working. I'm not sure how I would define it. A month ago, we were planning this series, and there was a group of us together in a room. Phil was there. Lindsay Watson was there. Matt was there. Pastor Angela. We had a whole bunch of people, and, and we kind of got stuck on talking about what, what rest is not. You know, rest is not self-care. I mean, it's kind of included in self-care, but, you know, that's a major trend right now is, that, is just that word, self-care. And whenever I hear it, I'm reminded of, A, either of the place that I grew up in, like the farm, was, had a completely dysfunctional view of resting, or B, maybe I'm a Gen Xer and I just sound like I just enjoy suffering. But when I hear people talk about self-care, I'm like, I don't even get that much free time on vacation. You know, like, how can you possibly do all of these things? It just sounds really indulgent. Maybe I'm jealous, I don't know. But self-care can definitely morph into a type of idolatry that's just not the same as biblical rest. So then someone at this meeting said, well, you know, the Pharisees kind of did a similar thing. They made the Sabbath, as in not working, into an idol. They made so many rules and regulations to try and define this is work and this is not work. But they were really just worried about not working. They actually didn't seem too interested in the whole concept of rest, which was the point of the Sabbath. When I was in Chicago, I lived there for like uh, 10 years. Um, significant Jewish population in Chicago and especially in the neighborhoods that I lived in. And uh, for Jewish people who want to observe the Sabbath, there were lots of accommodations that were made uh, in kind of the wider, society, wider culture there. So it's an urban environment and, um, you know, people live in apartment buildings. Have you ever heard of a Sabbath elevator? You know what these are? Sabbath elevator? Yeah, you know, it would not be cool, it would be a breach of the Sabbath for you to take the stairs if you lived on the 10th floor. It would also be a breach of Sabbath. You know, some elevators actually have attendance, but, you know, they, would, they have to work that day, so you, they get the day off. And then there's the whole idea of, like, well, what about pushing the button? Is that 
work and they someone decided technically that was work so the fix was sabbath elevators they just stop at every floor so i mean if you have to go up a long ways it takes four it doesn't matter if anybody's there it stops anyway and so that was a real bummer for those of us who weren't jewish and were in a hurry when you're in chicago you gotta look out for that so the pharisees back in the day maybe well into the future they turned resting on the sabbath into a straitjacket. Our society has done pretty much the opposite, hasn't it? We don't rest at all. We've got little margin. We fill our schedule to the brim. We worship productivity. I mean, how many, I, have you ever played the game, you know, like how busy are you when you're trying to set up a you know, like an appointment with someone? Eventually you get to the point where you're just annoyed with yourself, right? Like now we're looking weeks into advance because there's just no room here and on the topic of resting, we naturally assume that means we're asleep. Otherwise, we'd be doing something productive. And so Pastor Angela mentioned to me there's this brand new um, movement called bed rotting. Have you heard of this? This is a social media thing. And bed rotting means that you stay in bed all day long, do no activities or work. You're only allowed to like play on your computer or use your phone. I mean, it sounds miserable to me. Like, seriously, do, can you go to the bathroom? I have no idea. But that's taking the, it's the whole self-care thing. So where I'm going with this is this little beauty right here. This was developed by She Reads Truth, and it's just a little survey, a little um, kind of, here's a baseline where we're gonna start with what we think we know about God's idea of rest. And so I want you to take like a couple minutes and just begin to fill this out. Take a minute and do it. You can't cheat. You can't look at your neighbor's answer. This is for you. The only right answer is what you think right now. There's no right or wrong answer sheets here. This is just to get a baseline for your life.
I'll give you another minute. It's okay if you don't get done. You can finish it up later. Take another minute. So what do you think? Um, there, uh, we did multiple iterations of this um, thing, so I'm not sure if I, I have a different one than you. But there's a question that may be missing on some of these that I want you to think about. When is the last time that you truly felt at rest? When is the last time you truly felt at rest? When is the day, month, and year that that happened? That one bugged me. I had to sit with that for a long time and think, when was the last time? And I, and I came up with two things. The first thing I thought, they were images. Um, last November, I was lucky enough to go to Hawaii with my family. And we took, uh, this is Maui, so there's the road to Hana, um, which for some people in my family is too curvy. So that would be like the road to hell because it would be like total car sickness. And so we did the opposite way. We don't take the curvy part, we just drive down the flat dry part. Okay, so there's some pictures here. So like this is on the, the south side of the island, and that was what I thought of. I thought of this road, driving, and how relaxing it was, and the next picture, we, we would stop at some of these little coves, and we would just, it was really windy, but it was peaceful. That was the first thing I thought of, I was like, that was the last time I was at rest. And then I was like, oh no, there was this other time this summer. Next picture, this is my son Mark fishing on Big Twin Lake in Winthrop. And uh, we had gone up there to do some camping. And I just remember, instead of fishing, which is what I would usually do, which is busy, right? I decided I just wanted to sit there and watch him fish. And so, that was the second thought I had. I was like, 
I was totally at ease, totally relaxed. Usually I'd be all, you know, caught up and trying to tie a knot or, you know, looking at on there. You know, even though this is supposed to be restful, I, I somehow managed to turn those things not into restfulness. But this, this one time, I didn't. I just sat there and I watched him fish. And as the sun set, I started to take pictures. And what, what about you? When's the last time? What's the image that you were at rest? And if you can't think of one, just sit with it. We know the right answers on what to believe about rest. I would guess that we would come pretty close. But when you get to these, I would describe my capacity as questions, that's where it starts to fall apart, doesn't it? We know it. We don't necessarily do it. So, Lord, how can our ideas, our beliefs, align with yours? That's where we're going to begin. What is rest? The concept of intentional rest woven throughout Scripture. In fact, it's so all over Scripture, it's almost hiding in plain sight. It starts in Genesis. It goes through the Torah and the Psalms and the prophets, and it's in the New Testament all the way to Revelation. Biblical rest isn't just one-dimensional. It's not just physical, as important as it is. But that's usually how we think of rest. It's either as a time when I'm not active or working, or rest can be being safe from some threatening circumstances. I mean, when you read Bible passages, that's usually the context. But when Jesus enters the picture, there's a whole new layer. There's a a layer of spiritual rest. That's, That's promised throughout the Old Testament even. There's eternal rest. And something is happening in Jesus. Uh, the book of Hebrews, if, if you aren't tuned into this, you can read some of those chapters and go, I honestly don't know what they're talking about. The book of Hebrews talks about entering God's Sabbath rest. And if you're like me, you've had that like, there's a whole other level here that maybe I haven't quite put my finger, I don't know if I've experienced that. The person and work of Christ means that those who follow and believe in him can enter this promise of God's rest. And it's not just a, oh, it's coming way out there someday. It's right now. Augustine wrote, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Rest is more than self-care. Rest is more than a vacation. Rest is more than sleeping in. True rest is a gift given by God that we're all invited to enter and to enjoy. And not surprisingly, it starts with him. In the book of Exodus, this is my closing point here. In the book of Exodus, there is this amazing interchange between Moses and God. Exodus 33, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. And if you read it, you'll go, I'm not sure I could talk to God that way. Is that? But that's how Moses talks to God. And they have this amazing interchange because Moses is pleading with God to go with them. And God's saying... I don't know if that would be a good idea, Moses. 
And the reason he's saying, I don't know if that would be a good idea, is because God's people, I mean, he just, he rescued them from Egypt, from slavery and Pharaoh's land. I mean, the plagues came, he parted the, the Red Sea, there's a He's leading them by a pillar of cloud during the day and fire by night. He's feeding them with manna and quail. He gave them the Ten Commandments, which included for a group of slaves who worked all the time. He gave them a what? A day off. And do you know what they did to thank him? It wasn't so good. The golden calf. I mean, there's just, there's just a lot of bad. They rebelled against God. We don't, like, we don't like the, we're sick of the manna, the free food that you're giving us, God. This, and so God finally gets to a point, he's like, yeah, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end all these people, right? He's like, I'm, I'm over, I'm over. I, I have to, I need to stay away from the people. Moses, you can come talk to me. You're welcome anytime. Joshua, those that want to come talk to me, I'm over here in the, that's Exodus 33. And he's like, I'm not going with you. I'm going to send an angel to go before you. And Moses is like, you can't do that. You have to come with us, God. Please come with us. And in Exodus 33, verse 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. Is that how you would finish that sentence? My presence will go with you. You know, they're going to the promised land. There's a lot of people there that don't want them to arrive. Wouldn't you think he would say, I'll give you strength or maybe peace, deliverance? I will bless you. I will give you prosperity. He says, rest. That makes absolutely no sense, does it? Moses, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. But if you have been wandering out in the wilderness day after day with no end in sight, and God promises to be with you, and God promises that you will find rest, that might sound like good news. And the other piece of this is there's no conditions. I will give you rest if you observe the Sabbath. I will give you rest if you don't screw up anymore on the way to the promised land. I will give you rest when we get to the promised. There's no conditions. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Even though their immediate circumstances haven't changed. They can be in God's presence. They can find rest. Being in God's presence is restful. You and I were created with the capacity, the need, the desire to dwell, to be with, to remain, to live in God's presence. And we can enter his presence no matter where or when or what is happening in that moment. That is the gift and power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus living inside of us. And so my question is, what are we doing? How, how can we experience that life that was always attended for us? That's life as it was meant to be lived. That's rest that we can experience now. So over the next few weeks,
we're going to continue to dust the layers off of the rust, the rust bin, right? And um, I'm going to encourage you to actually try and rest. And resting starts in God's presence. And so I want to encourage you to take some chair time. And this isn't meant to be a task. Oh, Pastor Dan gave me a to-do list at church. No, this is meant to be an invitation. In this new season of busyness that most of us start each fall, can we carve out 15 minutes to be with the Lord? And I don't care what you do. You can just sit there. Sometimes that's glorious. And see what bubbles up and pray about the things that come into our mind. And that might take five or ten minutes of the stream of consciousness, and then something will happen. There'll be less thoughts. Uh, you could get one of these apps. I mean, there's, ton, there's so many good prayer apps that can guide you, and as long as they don't just distract you. Is, I use Lectio 365. I've done Pray As You Go. I know there's, there's, there's many others that, that have pauses where you actually get to pray. You, that's a perfect chair time thing. Maybe you're going to start reading a new book of the Bible. Don't read it all in three days, okay? Like, take your time. Work your way through it. Chair time. Time spent in God's presence. Restfulness. Sometimes my chair time doesn't happen until I'm about to go to bed because I just forgot. But right before I go to bed... There's actually prayer apps that do this thing called Compline. And it's a list of prayers that I usually want to do, but sometimes have to discipline myself to do right before I go to bed. It's a way to, be, it's a way to give him the last word, a way to be in his presence before you fall asleep. I want us to try and do that. And as a family, Corey and I, we've been quasi-talking about what do we, how do we do this as a family when our kids have their own schedules now? And we haven't really been able to come up with anything better than, I think we need to eat dinner more together more often. And Sunday evenings, what if those became, hey, get your homework done soon enough so that at dinner time we can play a game, play cards, watch a movie, whatever, hang out. That's like the only night that doesn't have something scheduled on it for somebody. I don't know. We're just trying to figure this out, and, I, and we can do this. We can do this, and so can you. So that's my invitation, my challenge, to find some rest, to spend time in God's presence, because you honestly can't live without it. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we come before you. And of course, I'm conscious of the time. I'm looking at the clock and thinking, oh man, we still have communion to share together and we're in such a hurry and that's the world we live in. No, Sunday doesn't have to be that way. One day a week can at least be restful. Help us to do that, to reorder our lives however we might need. There's going to be some tough choices. There are some really bad habits that I need to break, that we need to break. But with your Spirit's promise and power, we can do it. Help us, Lord. Help us to rest. In your name we pray. Amen.